My name is Heidi and I love stories. Funny stories and sad stories and what on earth just happened to stories. As it turns out, the Bible is full of them. After two decades in Sunday school and a master's in English, I'm here to tell them to you. Get ready, this is Messy Scripture. So the book of Numbers opens up with a census and then the arrangement of the camp because when Numbers opens, the Israelites are still hanging out at Sinai. They actually stay at Sinai over a year to the point that they celebrate the second Passover ever, the first being the inaugural one where, you know, the angel of death actually passed over. But they celebrate the very first not Passover Passover at Sinai. They're staying there because as soon as the tabernacle was assembled, God's presence fell on it. And by fell, I mean inhabited over it like a cloud. And when it would lift off, the people would pack up and take all their stuff and move to wherever the cloud sent them. So for a long time, they were just at Sinai. However, that was nowhere close to their destination. So they ended up leaving when God told them to. And the whole camp, all of them, packed up and moved out. And that's where we're going to pick up the story of Numbers. Because basically, as soon as they picked up and moved out, they started complaining. And they started complaining at a not insignificant level. Basically, what it boils down to is that the people are not happy with the manna that they have to eat. Oh, no, 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 no. They want meat. And they're not asking again. If they were asking, it would be a very different story. But nope, they're just whining. Whining at a level of like weeping outside their tents because they're craving meat. And Moses is like, God, if this is how they're going to be, just kill me now. Just kill me now because these people are too much for me. They're whining and wailing outside of their tents like I can do anything about the fact that we are in the wilderness and there is no meat here. And God is like, okay, here's the plan. Set up some elders, appoint some people to help take care of them. I'll deal with the rest. And so Moses does that. There are now 70 elders and God sends quail, which are these little birds. He sends quail so that they're all around the camp about a day's journey out. And all the people who wanted quail went out and gathered it. However, they were so disrespectful and so ridiculously ungrateful about this sudden turn of events that pretty much as soon as they started eating it, God struck them with a plague and a bunch of them died. Please keep in mind that these people were whining and complaining and not once considered asking. Like, they didn't think to ask Moses to ask God or ask God themselves if they could have meat. No, no, no. They just jumped to the conclusion that things would have been better had they stayed in Egypt, where at least they had food variety, instead of being stuck with all this manna that was leaving them wasted away. That's also not true, by the way. They were nowhere close to being wasted away. Shortly after the quail and plague incident, Miriam, Moses' sister, and Aaron, Moses' brother, decided to complain at Moses because he had married a woman who was from Cush, and uh, also complain against Moses because they were feeling jealous, like all the attentions on Moses. Miriam had a ton of attention on her at the beginning of the story, you know, she followed the basket with Moses in it, and she made sure that her own mother was able to nurse her baby brother. She was there, and she and Moses sang a duet at the Red Sea. But now, Miriam's kind of been off the page for a while, and while Aaron has been doing stuff, there is a difference between being the high priest of God and being God's, like, favorite, 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 favorite. And Moses is like, what? <laughs> I can't deal with this. And God calls all three of them to meet at the tent of meeting. They do, and God strikes Miriam with leprosy, just instantaneous. And at the time, leprosy was not only a death sentence, but it was like a death sentence to your social life because you had to literally live outside of the camp, outside of the city. There was no cure for leprosy. It's extremely contagious. So people were basically dead while they were alive if they had leprosy, and now Miriam has it. And Moses is not happy about this because he is 
as the text describes him, the most humble and or meek person on earth. He doesn't want his brother and sister fighting with him and he doesn't want his sister to die. So he asks God to please heal Miriam and God's like, okay, well think about it. If her father had spit in her face, she would have gone outside the camp for seven days. So let her wait outside for seven days and think about what she's done. So all the people have to wait for Miriam to get better for a full week, but eventually she does. Once Miriam is better, the people get up and move closer to Canaan. And at this point, God tells Moses to send in spies to scout out the land. Moses chooses 12 spies, one from each tribe of Israel, to go into Canaan and kind of see what's up so they can figure out what the conditions are, how their war plan is going to go, because it's not like Canaan was unoccupied. The plan for the Israelites is to go in and conquer Canaan, like they're going on a full-blown conquest to take the promised land. This is absolutely warfare, and Moses wants to scout it out, and God tells him to. The 12 spies go into the land, and they come back with a report. Ten of them have one version of the story, and two of them, Joshua, Moses' PA, and a guy named Caleb, have a slightly different version. Now, all the spies agree that Canaan is great. It's an easy place to cultivate food. There are wonderful cities already built. All they need to do is kill all the people. And it's the promised land. Like, it's everything that they hoped it was. It is, as the text sometimes calls it, a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a place where there are flowers and bees and cattle. Just everything's awesome. However, the ten spies that have the one report are like, the problem is the Canaanites are huge. They are warlike. They are dangerous. And there are giants in the land. Giants! The sons of Anak. We are terrified. And the other two spies, Joshua and Caleb, are like, yeah, okay. True. However... God told us to come, and God's on our side, so why don't we just go in and take the land? And the ten spies are like, we're all gonna die! And Joshua and Caleb are like, not if God's on our side. Unfortunately, the people listen to the ten spies, and they rebel. Like, they're ready to once again kill Moses, despite the fact that God has definitely been watching out for them, and Moses hasn't done them dirty even once. But they want to kill Moses. They're like, we should go back to Egypt and beg Pharaoh to make us slaves again because that would be better than being in Canaan and we're all going to die in the wilderness and we're all going to die and everything's going to be terrible and it's all so bad. And they are in full-fledged rebellion. They have just recently made this covenant that they are going to let God be God and they are going to be his people and God has showed up for them. He has fed them. He has clothed them. He has made sure they have water. He set them free from Egypt. And now on the edge of the land that they were promised as a people, through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, and now en masse, they are ready to return to Egypt and be slaves again. Ain't that just like humans? Well, God is absolutely fed up. Moses is also fed up, but God is not having it. He is like, I'm just going to disinherit the people of Israel. I'm going to disinherit them and pass the inheritance that was given to all of the children of Jacob specifically to you, Moses, and your family. And you all will become a great nation, and these people will not. Like, I'm done. And Moses begs him, despite the fact that the people have treated Moses like crap, too, to spare them. Moses quotes God's own words to him, saying, The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty. So Moses asks to pardon the people that God would let it be that they wouldn't die. And God agrees to pardon them. However, because the people are not able to get it with God, like they are not able to take their freedom seriously, they're not able to trust him, they still have this mentality and they still have this 
you know, justifiably traumatic perspective that they can't, they can't take Canaan. Even with God's help, they won't take Canaan. So God makes a decree. Everyone of military service age will die before the conquest of Canaan happens. All of them, except for Joshua and Caleb, who, you know, didn't screw everything up. To make sure that the entire generation passes away and not in a plague sense, they're going to spend 40 more years in the wilderness. They've only been in the wilderness for maybe two or three years at this point, and they're already very sick of it. But they're going to spend the next 40 years wandering as a people of the desert until all of those who are old enough to serve in the military, all of those who were fighting men who refused to fight because they were convinced God was going to let them all die, they're going to have to die before Canaan can be the land of Israel again. This does not make the people happy. (laughs) And they weep and wail before God, and he's like, you asked for it. You did not want to go into Canaan. You flat out refused to go into Canaan. And now you are getting what you asked for. You didn't want to go, and now you don't have to. And the people try to go into Canaan. Like, they suit up and they're like, we're sorry, we made a mistake. And they suit up in all their armor and they go into Canaan and they go and attack and they get soundly beaten. And they're like, we made a mistake. And Moses is like, yeah, I told you it wouldn't work. God is not with us going into Canaan right now. We need to turn around and spend some more wilderness time. So that's what the people of Israel do. They turn around and head back into the wilderness. The long and short of it is, Israel isn't ready to take Canaan. And it's going to take quite a bit of growing before they are. It's also going to take quite a bit of dying because the people who lived in Egypt just can't forget Egypt. They can't let it go. And they refuse to let it go. So they're not going to have to. The next episode is going to be spent finishing up numbers and talking about everything that happens while the Israelites are wandering in their 40 years of desert time. And after that, it's Canaan time. Well, after that for our podcast. For the Israelites, they have 40 more years of desert time before they're ready to move on. I'll catch you then.